Welcome to Birth Mystics with your hosts, Stephanie and Katie. I just feel angry, bitchy, and mean. That's not who I am. I never used to act this way. Maybe you never needed to act this way before. But you're a mother now, and your biology knows it. Your mama bear is waking up. Why is she so angry? Why is she turning me into someone so volatile and ferocious? How do you normally feel after waking up from a long sleep? She is sensing the terrain, trying out her voice, testing her muscles. Once she knows what she's up against, she'll acclimate. She'll integrate. Right now, she shows up uninvited and tends to run the show. But eventually, as you get to know her, she'll learn to come only when you need her most. Why is she just now waking up? Why not before? Well, for some people, their inner wild, untamed bear has always been awake. But for many of us, she's been forced into her cave, not allowed to come out. She's too unpredictable, unfeminine, unladylike, impolite, and fierce. Motherhood only kicks that up a notch. You need those qualities as a mother, you see. Those qualities are not bad. They're necessary. What can I do to help her integrate and to stop running the show? Welcome her. Don't resist her. Get to know her. Start a conversation with her. Acknowledge her existence. Don't wish her away. Her showing up is a good, good sign. It indicates that you are well on your way to becoming. This is a composite conversation that I have had with a wide variety of clients over the years. Postpartum clients specifically who have found their way into my office. And after some of these really meaningful conversations, I decided to make this little conversation that, that you just heard. And it's universally been a very well-received lens to look at postpartum rage. Oftentimes, the women that are describing these symptoms of this like ferocity that has just opened up inside of them, they, they are often the most timid, sweet, sometimes even docile, pleasant women that you would have ever met. They are really kind of speaking back to our previous episode, Katie, of the princess and the people pleaser. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it would be fun for those listening to know that we don't actually talk ahead of time (laughs) about the theme that we're going to be presenting on. So when Katie's hosting the episode, I'm coming in blind and she's like, okay, we're going to record this live conversation and that's how it goes. So when she presented Princess and the People Pleaser, we um, right after decided to record my hosting episode which is Mama Bear Musings. And I had to laugh that we were like (laughs) hitting the exact same topic from two different mythologies or two different lenses, right? Yes. So instead of, you know, repeating everything or um, ringing that note too loudly, 
where Katie talked a lot about people pleasing and what it means to be a princess or a woman, right? And kind of like breaking the expectations of what it means to be feminine. Is mm-hmm. that how we would word it? Yeah. Yeah. We kind of explored that from different angles. We talked a lot about that in the in pregnancy and birth space. So I thought, hey, this is perfect. Let's talk about it in the postpartum space and, yes. and give it its own dedicated episode. Because it is such a tumultuous time that is so unspoken. Yeah. Like, I don't think my mother ever talked about her, her postpartum transitioning. Even from a biological standpoint, there's so much going on with healing your body. Your uterus goes from the size of a watermelon to the size of like your fist in a very short amount of time. Your body goes from pregnancy hormones to breastfeeding hormones, all of that. Just everything is so tumultuous if you only look at the physical lens, but then you add in the emotional and the spiritual lenses of the intense changes that happen in that short period of the freedoms that you have, even pregnant, even if it's uncomfortable, you still can go where you need to go and you're relatively functional, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but then you're postpartum and you're in your cave and you have this little person that needs you so much. And you actually need a lot of nurturing and caring that in our culture is just not present. Um, and adjusting to having this new, this new role, even if it's your seventh baby, like who is this person and how, how am I as a mother of this many children? I don't feel like it got less every time. It was just different every time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Katie, I actually wanted to ask, would you be willing to share with us what you would say was your mama bear awakening? Mine was more gradual. I've always been not what society wants in a woman. Like, I feel like that's that's kind of always been my MO. And I had a lot of siblings. So I felt like I already mothered a lot. I'm the oldest of seven. Yes. So I have six younger siblings. And my youngest brother was born when I was 17 years old. And the one before that, 15. So biologically, they both could have been my children. Yeah. So I felt like I had already mothered like that part of me and the caretaking and and that had already sort of been tested um and she'd come out some through my younger siblings but I think that I didn't really step into the mother bear like I in postpartum it was really interesting as it felt I think I'm a big I dissociate a lot like that's like my go-to trauma response is Mm -hmm. that I'll just kind of be like this is fine like I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but there's that meme with the dog in the burning room that's sitting at the table and says, this is fine. Like, <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Like, I feel like that's me. Um, so it's hard for me to like pinpoint, but there are a couple times like during, so one of mine's kind of actually connected to my health journey. I feel like when I became pregnant with my son and my doctor said to me, just watch what you eat because your child can only be made of the building blocks that you put in your body. And for me, that was like, what? Mm. like for some reason for me that opened all of this these doors in my mind where I became very passionate about what I put in my body where I had not paid much attention to it before I was like wait my child could be like I drank caffeine before and then I Mm -hmm. read like reading through nutrition things caffeine gets in the amniotic fluid and for me that was like a black and white line so I'm not doing that anymore I'm not gonna drink any caffeine and I had all of these little things where I would get very protective in pregnancy. And that's kind of progressed. And I think a lot of my mama bear comes out in trying to help my children to physically and emotionally be healthier than I was raised because my parents didn't know a lot of things that I know. So I think it awakened kind of that 
ravenous, like, oh, if that's a thing, then I want to know more about it so I can understand so I can help my child. Wow. So I think that kind of that informational side, like that woke up in me quite a bit my first pregnancy and has like just kept going. It's like my, <laughs> throughout motherhood. my day-to-day lifestyle choices suddenly have even bigger ramification and it spurred you mm-hmm. to action and to, cha- to make changes. Yeah. And it turned back on me where it was like, why is it not okay with me that my infant has caffeine in their system? Yet I've been giving it to myself all along, right? Like kind of so the mama bear kind of taught me yeah. too. Like, yeah. why like, is... actually I'm enough to matter. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want that for my child. Why was it okay for me? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that came out a lot during pregnancy. And my husband was kind of confused by suddenly all these lifestyle changes. And it kind of kept going mm. throughout like breastfeeding. And then, and I've made, I'm a fully different person in my lifestyle than mm-hmm. I was. And a lot of that was motivated by wanting that for my children. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Would you say that anger or like fierceness has played a role in any part of that for you? Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm that mom, like my son, (laughs) just today, here's a story. Today, my, my son plays soccer and the bless her heart mom brought a food that I have done a lot of research into and, and don't want my children consuming, um, as treats. Mm -hmm. And my son came up and was like, I really want to drink this. I was like, I will literally trade you anything. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what you want. I'll buy you a Lego set. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what you want to not eat this. Yeah. And, um, so I do feel, I feel very protective of their health. Like I feel like that does Mm. come out a lot and my husband gets a little confused and I'm willing to invest in it. And so that does come out. But I think emotionally, like, I do get a little overwhelmed by her sometimes because I think I do in other things, more emotional things, it doesn't feel as safe for me to be protective and angry. Um, But sometimes it does like builds up to a point where I know something's not okay. And then I last second have to like massively shift something because I put it off. I kind of dissociated from the bear Mm -hmm. until it becomes such a loud rumbling that I can't ignore it anymore. So I feel like my mom and Bear and I are on kind of interesting terms. It's like I have places where she's very allowed. Yeah. Like she's very allowed in my life. And I don't mind feeling like righteous anger. And it comes out with my clients as well. Mm-hmm. I will say as a doula, I do feel, I feel big mama bear rage yeah. um, about the state of our system. Yeah. And about um, just seeing things. I'll get very angry after some births. Like I will right. be like, it was a good birth, but man, like... <laughs> I'll have some anger to dispel or I'll need to rant to someone about Mm -hmm. just this way this doctor said something or language or or little things that she, or I can just see that her and her partner's dynamic just has this, this thing that they're both okay with, but I'm not okay with. Yes. Um, so that does come out a lot, but I think that I definitely, um, I know other people have a lot of like emotional rage towards things in postpartum. And I feel like that didn't really happened to me as much. Mine yeah. was more gradual burns in other places. Yeah. I now I want to hear your story. I would say I, I was quite similar to you, Katie, in that I was not the quintessential feminine girl. I was a pretty solid tomboy growing up. I lived in dirty jeans and t-shirts and barefoot, barefoot, loved being in the dirt, loved digging holes. You know, like I just was pretty carefree. I didn't care about my appearances much. And, um, But I think when I hit puberty, it got real confusing real fast for me because I did have a lot of huge emotions. I um, thankfully feel that there was this 
very strong fire in my belly that I think is my mama bear energy. She's my anger. She's my ferocity. She's my courage. She's like a lot of things that I really love, right? And I don't remember a time that that wasn't there. But when I started to call upon that because I needed to in order to cope in a, a very challenging childhood environment with an emotionally, verbally abusive father, that that was how I chose to cope was to be sassy, was to be combative, was to be in my dad's face versus maybe some of my siblings who chose the opposite means of coping, which was to be quiet as a mouse so that it would end sooner and then they could go on their way. And I looked at that with confusion and maybe even judgment of like, how could you sit there and say nothing and allow him to make these outlandish statements about you and you're not going to defend yourself. You're not going to fight for it. And so I ended up inserting myself all the time, even Mm -hmm. for my siblings. I'm like, I will advocate for you, even though you never asked me to, (laughs) you know? And I was like this self-proclaimed zealot. Mm -hmm. And so I was then labeled by that same father (laughs) as being incredibly unfeminine, being someone that would never get married. I would never find a husband because I was just so disrespectful and so sassy and so, Mm. you know, unladylike. So who would ever want to marry me? And he, you know, I... There's actually like a lot of great things about my dad too, but for the intents and purposes of this episode, I guess you're getting to see not, not a great pleasant side of him, but, but that, that definitely affected me. And so when I got out of that household, I was a little bit confused about who to be in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, There is still that like tomboy side of me, but there is this other very soft feminine that I was very terrified to be. I never felt safe to be soft and feminine. And so I think I actually overworked my mama bear for a while. I Mm. relied on her so much and then felt so much shame about it because I thought, well, yeah, I am fierce. I am feisty. I am sassy. And thank goodness, because Mm. I had to put up with you as as a dad, you know. But then I would have the whiplash of shame and like, I'm not feminine I am kind of a bitch and I am like, I don't even know what to do with all that. Mm -hmm. So I think I went into like remission (laughs) in like my, I still had sass and it would just like burst out of me at times, but then I would try to counteract it and just be very pleasant and be very cooperative and very kind and, Mm -hmm. you know, try to be like all the girls that were around me. And I'm like, I can be feminine. (laughs) So I was kind of a hot mess, to be honest, when I got married and had my first daughter. And I definitely felt a lot of rage open up in my postpartum. And it was matched with a lot of grief and a lot of depression. I did not have language to describe that at the time. I only knew what I knew in the moment, which was that I was angry or that I was sad. Yeah, I was just all over the place. So I, I would say it's been with the gift of hindsight that I could look back at that, particularly that first postpartum and have a whole new awareness of what I was going through and how important that rage was. Now, what's interesting, and I'll sort of switch gears away from just my story and kind of talk about the big story that that applies to all of us, 
is that when I'm talking to these clients, like I was mentioning, a lot of these clients are, are so broken by their own anger because they are s- such a, a soft-spoken person. They're a very uh, cooperative person. They're very feminine. They're very loving. They're very, um, and maybe on some of the challenging sides, more people-pleaser, right? And so then for them to experience their postpartum and feel that rage open up, they are filled with shame. And they think, I am the worst mother. I do not even deserve to be a mother because who becomes a mom and has a baby and then is suddenly screaming and is suddenly exploding with wrath at her toddler? I'm ashamed of myself. Like that's a common thing that I hear. And so I'm grateful for my own postpartum experiences and, and a lot of the healing work that it's brought about in my life because it's allowed me to have context to work with these clients and to be like, well, it's not ideal that you're screaming at your toddler. I can validate that. At the same time, I want to validate your anger because that's actually not the problem. And we have villainized anger and rage to the point that we are now bad for feeling it. It's so interesting in our society that for men, the only acceptable emotion is anger and frustration. Right. And then for women, it's like, that's the worst thing you could be. Yeah. Which is so funny because you talk about the mama bear and that's feminine. Because yeah. the the heat in your belly, like it's down in your feminine, it's in your like it's in your pelvic bowl, yeah. it's down there because it's actually your feminine. Because right. the feminine's actually the passion and the anger, and the men is more of the 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 weighing and the 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 laid backness. Like is actually more up here, yeah. where men have been forced. Like they say, the feminine is also receiving. Where women are so opposed. Like if you receive, then you're less than worthy. You always have to be giving more than you receive. Right. Where really our like our wombs are the receivers. We receive a penis. Like that's yeah. <laughs> even our anatomy shows we're supposed to be the receiver. Yeah. But we've blocked that off. Like blocked so much of that off in ourselves that in postpartum it just becomes such a, like an empty tank where you are just giving too much. And in our society there is no reception that our feminine gets so mad. Mm. And that's so funny. Like I'll tell my husband all the time. Like I wish. I wish that we could see how messed up it is that men aren't allowed to be soft and they aren't allowed to be in their, in their caring. Cause it's just, it drives me so crazy. Cause like, why do we feel shame for each other's thing? <laughs> yeah. Why do men feel shame for being soft and sad and, and gentle and emotional? And why do women feel so much shame around anger and passion? Yeah. Like even I think about my own ambition and how much shame I sometimes feel. Am I a bad mom because I care so much about my business? Mm -hmm. Am I a bad mom because I'm working so hard to grow my business? Mm -hmm. But why do I feel that shame when a man that's like who he's supposed to be and a man feels shame for wanting to be home more with his kids? Right. And it's like, no matter where you are, we're just we're wrong and you never be the other. And we feel so much shame around the exact opposite things. Yes, exactly. And so for me, where I'm able to guide my clients and what, well, you know, first and foremost, what I had to get to myself in order to figure myself out. And I'm, and I'm still figuring myself out, but it's really a, a basic understanding of what emotions are. And I had definitely grown up under the context that there are good emotions and there are bad emotions, right? And like you were saying, that might even be genderized. So it's like, for a man, it's good to be angry. For women, it is not good to be angry. And so it's funny that there's like subcategories. But for me, yeah, anger was definitely 
100% not okay because I, I had, I was angry for so much of my childhood. And then I was like doubly punished for that because I, I didn't just sit down and take it like my sister did. Right. So I was more offensive mm-hmm. because I was so unladylike in the way that I was being abused. Yes. <laughs> you know, I can laugh now. I've come a long way, friends. So it's about shifting the framework. And instead of labeling these emotions are good and these are bad, let's bring it all back down into neutrality and and actually recognize that emotions are simply the messengers. So I wouldn't shoot the messenger just because it's delivering an unpleasant message. I wouldn't go out to the mailman and slap him across the face and be like, how dare you bring me that credit card bill? Like, I'm so angry at you, you know? Mm -hmm. But instead it's like, yeah, he's going to bring me the mail. Sometimes it's going to be this like sweet card from my grandma and sometimes it's going to be a credit card bill. And I have to just accept that the messenger is going to bring all of that. Mm -hmm. And so therefore he's pretty neutral. He doesn't play a role beyond that. He's like, I'm here to deliver this thing to you, but you do need to look at it. That's when a lot of integration started to happen when I could see that each emotion actually played a really important role for us, particularly in the birth space. There's a, a little equation that my mom taught me when I was a teenager probably because I was having some kind of an emotional meltdown and she was helping me, but she was, she wrote out the word emotion and then circled the E and she said, what does E stand for in the word emotion? And she wrote energy. And so she said, emotions are simply an energy in your body that want to be in motion. It's just energy in motion. And so if you don't allow them motion, what happens? Well, I think it's basic physics that says when you condense energy, that's where you get the atomic bomb, right? It it doesn't go away, but it actually compresses and compresses and builds and builds and actually gets bigger Mm -hmm. when you keep it small. Like more volatile and more... Like if there's and all this energy in a small place yeah. that's just less controllable, the bigger it gets. Less controllable is a good way to word it. I agree with that. And yet, when you allow that energy to run its course and to be in motion and to rise up and be felt in your chest, in your throat, coming out through your face, facial features and through like tears, through snot, through all the ways that we express, um, then they typically last anywhere from 30 seconds to maybe two minutes at most. Like mm-hmm. that's how long it lasts. Kind of like a contraction, I mean. Interesting. <laughs> of course we could bring it back to labor. <laughs> I like that. We can choose to feel the emotion in that short state, or we can actually basically resist it being emotion and condense it and then we're going to intensify the motion and make it bigger and have it last longer or have bigger ramifications. Mm-hmm. But the moral Especially of the story... Especially if you do it chronically. Yeah. Because the moral of, of the story is that either way, that emotion will be felt. Yes. And I think that's when I started to move more into like, I have to start letting myself feel. Because I, I actively suppressed tears and sadness to the point that I couldn't remember the last time I cried. Like someone would ask something and I'd be like, I don't cry. I I just don't ever feel sad. I don't cry. (laughs) But then something would happen 
that would be actually usually really fun and pleasant. I might be laughing hysterically at a joke or something funny with my friend and then break down into sobbing uncontrollably in such a state that I was so mortified and so embarrassed that I lost control in a public place. I didn't, I could not stop it. And so then I would double down again and be like, well, that's never going to happen again. So I, I was right. Sadness is awful and I don't want to feel it ever again. So I'll just not feel it. And, and that was my pattern. It was pretty powerful to realize, oh, I was creating that environment by not letting myself feel it for that 30 seconds to two minutes and keeping it bottled up then it would explode like a bomb in unpredictable ways and in very uncomfortable situations until I learned basic emotional intelligence that it's like, oh my gosh, sadness was never my enemy. Sadness was never trying to destroy me. It was actually so natural that there would be sadness and so natural to feel it and so natural to express it. And once I learned to do that little, well, it was really that birth that opened that whole chasm up that a lot of healing and integration started to happen. Isn't it funny how we somehow all tell ourselves that it's weakness to feel, not all of us, but Mm -hmm. many of us tell ourselves that things like that are weakness when it's simply humanity. I know. Like it's just who we, how we exist. That everybody, everybody has them all. Exactly. And I loved once I read a book that talked about them as light and dark emotions. I really loved that comparison Mm. where it was like, it's just like day and night. Like there are things that need to happen for the cycle of life to go on. Yeah. And some of them are lighter and they're going to be good days. And some of them are darker and they're going to be hard. And maybe even heavy can come into that heavy and light. If you look at it through a different perspective. I love that. Yeah. And so sadness was, is one that I talked about, but, but let's bring it back to anger. Let's bring it back to that fierceness that Mm -hmm. mama bear represents, because I think that's the one that really rears her head pretty strongly in postpartum. Yes. And I just want to normalize and validate and restate that even rage is neutral. Now, like I said earlier, it's not ideal if we're directing that rage at somebody who it doesn't deserve that. You know, your toddler or your spouse, maybe in certain instances, your spouse might deserve it, right? But <laughs> for the most part, we're just unleashing the beast on anyone. And it can feel incredibly uncomfortable and like you are out of control. And it's like, where is this rage coming from? And why am I hurting everybody that I love? And so my message for you is, again, to validate that that makes you feel sad. Maybe even that it makes you feel ashamed because you love these individuals and you're not out to get them. And at the same time, validate the presence of that rage. Because I believe she is necessary in helping you become the mother that you need to be. And we have been lied to that it is unfeminine to be angry, that it is unbecoming to have rage. I think that's a way to keep women small. It's a way to continue to oppress because if women don't get angry, we're not going to change the status quo. 
But anger is the only emotion strong enough to get you to change something. And I think the second part of anger would be to move us toward protection of someone that we love or something that we love. Because I think that's what Mama Bear really embodies is she uses her fierceness in protection of those that she loves. So if you have been conditioned to keep that Mama Bear super locked up in her cave, like she's been hibernating your whole life for various reasons, and you have found that she's wide awake now and she's roaring to life and she is fierce, it's, it's not uncommon for her to be attacking the very ones that she actually intends to protect. But that's because she's acclimating. She's hungry. She's been asleep a long time. She's been ignored. She's been stuffed into a cave. So her anger is a little bit disproportionate. No. I right? was going to say that, I'm trying to remember exactly how it was phrased, but essentially that, that anger is actually your self-love that you have suppressed your whole life. Ooh. That you essentially have been denying yourself pleasure. You've been denying yourself truth. You've been denying yourself your authenticity your whole life mm. in order to play this role, to put on this mask of niceness. And that that self-love and self-appreciation gets bottled up in such a way. And that's the part of you that wants you to love yourself. That's the part of you that wants you to protect yourself. And that sometimes it takes a postpartum where you literally feel torn apart. You're given this immense burden with very little appreciation and support in our society for that self-love to awaken to the point where it's screaming this isn't fair. Mm. Where it's literally just lashing out at anything at the the injustice of it all. Wow. And that this is an opportunity for you to recognize that that anger is actually your love for yourself. That anger is actually your wanting your life to be fulfilling and wanting your life to be something more. Mm. And that that is beautiful. Yeah. That's a beautiful energy. And that it's not something to, yes, it, it's very scary because it's very big, but that's how much, that's how much you have just held in and just denied for your whole life. Yeah. And that it's not their fault. It's not your baby's fault, but your baby is a burden that no one's helping you with. It's not your toddler's fault, but toddlers are freaking hard and rude. It's not your partner's <laughs> fault. They've been conditioned in their own way to not appreciate you. And it's mostly not a choice they've made, but it is an idea that they have ingrained. It is their pattern and it is the way they view society. But it doesn't matter because all of that is on top of you and it is not fair. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to kind of, like you said, validate that this is not the true terrible me that's coming out. I'm actually a bad person. Right. And then now in postpartum, it's just showing. And so it shouldn't be a self-deprecating thing where we hate ourselves even more. But realizing this energy, this is me. Kind of like the bigness of contractions or transition. Yes. Like this is me, this huge mama bear energy. And how, like you said, how can I... Say, okay, I, I see it's unfair. I don't understand how to take it apart, but I'm glad you're here to help me. Yeah. I'm glad you're here to tell me. I'm glad you're here to get mad when something's not okay. Yeah. Because that's something you can, that's your intuition. That's your very angry, suppressed, loud intuition saying, this isn't okay. And you are not going to overlook me anymore. And I have to get so loud and so fierce. So God damn it, you'll hear me. Yes. Right? Yeah. You can't not hear her roar. And so I, I think that's where the integration happens is, is if you are willing to make that first courageous step 
to actually say, hello, anger. You get to be here. I'm not going to push you away anymore. I'm not going to be ashamed of you. and I'm not going to self-deprecate like you just said. Hello, anger. I'm going to take that step to get to know you. And if I may just wrap this up by reading some final thoughts. Yes, please. On this topic. She is not your enemy. She is your ally. She can come off a bit harsh. All right, full on bitchy. But she has to make sure she has your full attention and the world's full attention. Say this with me. I will be heard. I will be seen. I will get my needs met. I will fiercely protect those I love. I will embrace my power. And this power is holy, good, and necessary. Thank you for joining us as we step into darkness, knowing we will find light.